Bordy. Hello and welcome to the Big Travel Podcast. I'm Lisa Francesca Nand. There are times when travel is just pure fun and Cosmopolitan magazine travel editor Amanda Statham has made the fun side of travel her life's work. She's dived with sharks in the Galapagos, tracked rare animals on night safari in Costa Rica, danced at sunrise in Trinidad Carnival covered in mud and spent a rather enviable amount of time sitting at New York City rooftop bars sipping cocktails at sunset. Amanda Statham, Glossy Magazine's travel editor, honeymoon expert, happy camper van owner, is on the Big Travel Podcast. I think it's really funny that you don't think you're interested. <laughs> when you travel, no. you have what is like to a lot of people a completely dream job. You know, this is like more interesting than many things. It's a, no, it's an amazing job. It is. It's but it's it's um it's a lifestyle, I think, isn't it? And you, when you're at the nitty gritty, when you're writing features at your desk at you know eleven o'clock at night, or you're doing the school run. That doesn't seem glamorous or interesting. <laughs> but from the outside, it seems of glamorous. Course. And, yeah. you know, particularly working for a magazine like Cosmo. How long have you been doing the job for? Uh, about 14 years now. Long, long time. Um, and I started because I was freelancing for them. And their travel editor, Paul Gogarty, left, who's a great travel writer and author. And he'd been commissioning me. And it was just one of those things where he'd left and they had about six months of no travel editor. And I think they realised, actually, we really need somebody. <laughs> this, is, this is ridiculous. All the emails you get from PRs and invites and they needed someone to go through it. So they contacted me and I said yes. And that's just, it, just from there. So I've been with three editors now, all very different um, all really inspiring women. Um, so good to work for, like Sam Baker and Louise Court, and then Farah Store, who recently left to go to Elle, and just brilliant. You know. And how's it going? I don't, I don't know if I want to ask this or how much you'll tell me about it, but you know, magazines have been in trouble a bit, haven't they? And I was devastated with the loss of Mar- Marie Claire, yeah. but Cosmopolitan seems to be going you know, reasonably well in the circumstances. It does. It, it really does. But I think they've been very clever, and they've really. Um, they've made themselves, I think they call it 3D now, so you have, it's not just your mag, it's also your website, it's events, um, so it's, it's, a, it's such a good solid brand that women trust um, that I think they, they do venture off to other things and that's working and it, I don't think if you have a really strong website, I mean they have millions of uniques, if you have a really long, a strong website that doesn't mean people don't buy the mag interestingly, in fact it seems to strengthen both. So, yeah, touch wood. <laughs> it's doing very well in a very difficult market. Well, that's what I like to hear, because I used to have a very expensive magazine habit. I think I used to buy all of them. I probably spent about, when I had no other like great expenses apart from travel and, and work things, probably spent about 50 quid a month on magazines. I'd yeah. get all of them. I was the same. <laughs> things have changed, but it's really nice to hear it's going from strength to strength. Yes. You know, and, and people are embracing different you know ways of doing it like events yeah. and online stuff and and there are awards of exactly video content yeah it's you know you just have to don't you i think you have to run with it that's what's happening and if people want to read it on their phone it doesn't matter it doesn't matter does it it's still they're still reading cosmo i don't think print will die i think there, there were all those worries but actually it was funny i was talking to my friend's 13 year old the other day and she was saying actually yeah, i think it'll be like vinyl I think there's a return 
And it was really interesting to, speaking to a 13-year-old girl about actually holding something. Uh, and, you know, that feeling when you were younger that you were just talking about, you know, that hasn't gone. And even though she has an iPad, she still wanted to, to read the mag as well. So I always say this to people about podcasting because it, it felt online um, in terms of audio-visual stuff. It felt that video was the future for a yeah. long time. And one of my cushiest, a bit like your job here, but one of my cushiest jobs was for Sky.com when for three years I had to create online travel videos from all over the world. And basically yeah. I had a confirmed commission for anything I wanted to do. So I just <laughs> go anywhere, and so, which is probably a bit like how your job works. And I'll get to that in a second because that's what you're here for. But it felt like that video was going to be the way forward and yeah. that audio was going to take a back seat. And audio has just gone from strength to strength. Absolutely. So and underestimated the power of having something to take with you. Yes. And you can't always watch a video or a film when you're on the move or on the train or, yeah. you know, working. And, you know, audio is really sort of fitted in very successfully into that slot. I agree. Definitely. And radio, it has, hasn't it? You know, especially for travel. I think sometimes it is lovely to just sit there and let your imagination run wild isn't it it is and indeed and so let's start doing that with you you were worried that you've forgotten some of your best <laughs> travels which i'm sure me, they're in there somewhere to me it's a, a, a great worry to have it's, it, that's a very lucky worry to have it's just that they go back a long way and obviously if you're traveling like 12 or 14 times a year you do remember them and a very good way of remembering that i i find is to go back through photographs i really enjoy that now and it, and the moment you see something the whole trip springs back and you remember the incidents and you know the fun things on there or the one or the highlights but yes I think when someone just says where's the best place to travel to it's like, oh. I, know, I, I never have an answer to that when people say where is the favorite place your favorite place you've been so I'm not going to ask you that where is the most a few. cosmopolitan place you've been and I mean that and I don't mean that in a, in a cosmo way I mean in the actual magazine because it's it's luxury in a way isn't it but it's affordable luxury it's not sort of unattainable luxury no not at all I I think that that it's very obvious, but I think New York and Cosmo magazine go like, ah, oh, they just go hand in hand. Like we seem to do that almost every year because it's it changes so much. It's exciting. It's got some fantastic hotels that don't cost the earth. You know, you can you can go there and have a rooftop pool and a brilliant bar, and you're not playing. Uh, kind of London prices, like £500 a night. Um, yeah, it's just exciting, isn't it? It's quite, it's quite cheap to get to, like Norwegian Air, I think, has they've transformed that. That's incredible that you can get to New York for £300. I flew for the first time to New... Not for the first time to New York, for the first time with Norwegian a few weeks ago, and I was yeah. really impressed. I went yes. economy on the way there and got upgraded, thank you to the people at Norwegian, <laughs> on the way back, and I was so impressed with all of it. I was, it yeah. was all modern and yeah. new and clean and really easy, and like you said, like 300 quid. Yeah, absolutely amazing, isn't it? So what is, what are your favourite things to do in New York? Because I know you've written guidebooks about New York. Yeah, I have. I, th I like discovering new areas, actually. So I like, next time I go, I think I'll go and try and discover... Um, I haven't actually been to Williamsburg, really. I was there, there a few weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I, cause, especially because of the guidebooks, so it was always more sort of, you know, Manhattan Island. And So I'd like to discover a little bit more around it. Um, we touched on Brooklyn. And I, do, I am a sucker for rooftops. I just think there's the ink. Uh, what's it called, the ink? Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the bar at the top. It's just absolutely incredible. What is Ink um, Hotel? It's, a, it's in Hell's Kitchen. And you don't have to be staying at the hotel. So there's a lift on the side. 
I think it's Inc. 49, and you go, you can go up to the top, and in the lift, it opens up, and then it's just ridiculous. Like, Manhattan's there before you, and then the river's on the other side, so you've got that, and at sunset, this place, oh, and you're drinking a it's cocktail. It's just you're drinking a cocktail. And you've got the dream job. You, <laughs> yeah. Does it feel like you've got the dream job when you're doing it? Do you have to pinch yourself? I still, I still know it's the best job in the world. And it's really interesting if you're talking to friends who, um, you know, they might be earning a lot more, but it just doesn't matter to me. It just doesn't matter at all. Yeah, because it's not the best I would, job it, in the world, journalism not, or... No, but you, I think you can thing. make it pay. You know, you can if you're canny, and I've got a few different jobs, travel editorships. Cosmo's my main one, and that's the one everyone knows, but I have quite a few, like Women's Health like, magazine. I, I love Women's do. Health. I used to subscribe, actually. Very, very maybe good. Maybe I should renew that, but and I really enjoy that. Definitely yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, uh, and you know, I used to specialise in sort of honeymoon travel, so I, for example, I've just done a huge feature for The Telegraph, so 50 best honeymoons in the world. That's coming out in February, and you can, you know, you can make it pay. But you can't, t- you, the experiences and the, the perks, you cannot, you cannot buy that. You literally you could can't. not, unless you're a multi-millionaire, you, you could not you buy can't. all and that it's, travel. It's the, um, and it's the amount, isn't it? So you're not looking forward to sort of one holiday or two holidays a year. It's kind of, um, yeah, it's like every month. And I, I crave that. And it doesn't, I'm definitely not just a luxury traveller. I don't actually mind where it is. And that's true. My husband knows I'm as happy in a kind of camper van. Like, really, I am as I am in a kind of five-star association. It's all good, it's all travel, and I like flying. <laughs> when people say, oh, you must get really bored of that bit, it's like, no. Well, I never used to like it at all, but I since you it. and I both have two young boys, <laughs> and since becoming a mum, I, uh, my travel has dropped back a bit, in fact, yeah. because it, it sounds like a really middle-class problem, but we bought a house in Spain, and it kind of meant that every holiday we were going to, and still are going to, the, uh, the one house in Spain. I know, it's like my heart bleeds for me. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's lovely. But I've just started to go further afield now for work. I was in Ethiopia yeah. last week, New, week, New York the week before, and Italy the week before as well. And actually the long haul flight on my own was in a it was like a spa day know. you know you just get to sit there and have people bring you food and drink and watch films you can have a glass of red wine you can watch the films that you haven't been able to see exactly <laughs> totally motherhood has totally changed the way that's i view long haul flights on my own i yeah. haven't done that many with the kids yeah but. no that exactly that's why yeah i always did but even more so now i love it <laughs> where have you uh, where have you felt most relaxed when you're on these trips the destination oh that's a tricky one i i really still rate the caribbean I don't think it's as fashionable as it was and, you know, people desperate to go east. And, but I think for, you know, a seven, eight-hour flight, for just relax, just chilled, you know, there's no hassle there. You can sort of have great food for not much money. The beaches are incredible. The water's really warm, especially with you with kids. That's fantastic. We love stories on the podcast. Could you think of a standout moment in any particular destination in the Caribbean? I can, I've got a few. <laughs> Go on then. Where, definitely, this is not so chilled, but it definitely Trinidad Carnival. And we started like, with crazy hours in the morning. I think it's about 3am. It was really, really early in the morning. And we just covered ourselves in mud. Everyone was just slathering mud on themselves. And then we got some rum punches and we literally danced as the sun came up behind some floats. But we had feathers. We did, we did the full shebang. 
carried on dancing. And then I always remember we ran into the sea to get the, we, I can't remember where, where we'd been taken, we ran into the sea to get all the mud off us. And then we finished with kind of red stripes and just dancing with everyone in the street. And it was amazing. Like, I know Rio Carnival is the big one, but honestly, Trinidad Carnival, just, it's worth going for that. And then you can add Tobago on as you're kind of chill out afterwards for that week. And then my other favourite in the Caribbean would be in Jamaica, which obviously is kind of one of the most well-known and touristy, but, and people can be a little bit snobby about it sometimes, which I just don't understand. I think it's amazing. The people there are fantastic. And we stayed at this place called Jake's, and I've heard of Jake's. It sounds oh, amazing. It's, it's really funny. It's where Kate Moss used to go, didn't she, all the time? Yeah. I think people, people like still that. go there. Like, I thought Caroline Flack was there at Christmas a few years ago. And, um, but you wouldn't know. It's not celebby. It's not, you know, it's not like that. I think they'd probably go there because it's so tucked away. So it's on a place called Treasure Beach. And I've been there a few times just because I like it. So I've been with work and we've paid um, to go. It's got a little pool, which is all mosaic. So Sally Hensel, she was the designer behind it. Her son, Jason, now runs it. It's a real family concern. And she, it's like Gaudi on acid. It's the only way to <laughs> describe it when I've written about it. There's mosaic everywhere. Gone there around Park Guell on acid. Not, not me, obviously, but I actually do know people who know what, exactly what that, literally yeah. what that is like. So it'll be like bright pinks and then all this mosaic and then like, brightly coloured bottles embedded in your bed and you go out to your shower and it's got conch shells and it's outside and it's got driftwood and conch shells and you could kind of not you can sort of be seen but not it's the whole thing is just amazing and, and then sort of be seen in your shower well you can't it's kind of that <laughs> level you yeah. know so like you could wave to fishermen so your neck, but they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it's proper outside and then just a great restaurant with local food and local people come in which is so important so you're not tucked away there's Jack's Bratz um, you come out of the gate and walk down to Jack's Bratz and there you can have like your jerk chicken and that's a proper local cafe but it's kind of affiliated and they do I always remember they do film nights so I was there with my um, oldest son when he was much younger and he was just playing with everyone on the grass or we were watching a film you know beneath the stars with a beer absolutely amazing but the story I've digressed the, the story so honestly I'm sitting here going like that? almost my whole body is crying out to be sitting on that beach yeah. drinking that beer and it's and it I think I think rooms there from about 60 pounds amazing seriously the, yeah no really and there's a hostel I went to cover for the Guardian across the way and that starts at about 20 and it and it's nice so you could you literally I'm not talking about the kind of place it's like you're, if people are listening going oh yeah but it's it's not bad and then but the story behind it was so we we they said you must go to Floyd's it's like okay well where what's that and they said it's this bar okay brilliant so we went to find Floyd who turned out to be a fisherman and he said yeah you can come so we got we went in a, a fishing boat little wooden fishing boat for about 15 minutes out to sea and Floyd had built a bar on a sandbar in the middle of the ocean and you could have red stripe or rum you walked up these rickety steps and it's made from kind of old mangroves with a thatch roof a couple of guys playing dominoes this is in the middle of the sea and then your food was what he catches it was the 
coolest place. Anyway, we stayed like all night, all the afternoon. We stayed into the evening, and he said we were we were one of the latest couples that had ever been there. And um, everyone kind of had their. <laughs> Everyone was smoking, and it, it was amazing. And then, this is what I love. He was saying, "Yeah, we've had some really interesting people through here." It's like, "Oh, who?" It's like, "Oh, um, what's he called? Who's the guy who like really famous? Fresh Prince?" Oh, uh, Will Smith. Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what he went. Yeah, he came by here, and there a few others. It was just oh brilliant. my god, that just sounds amazing. It was, it's so Floyd's bar. I, I guess it's still there. Apparently, you know, a couple of times it's been washed away. I was going to say, could it be washed away? Yeah, no, it has like? been. It has been, and he's rebuilt. But there's, there's hopefully while people aren't on it. No, I don't, yeah, no death. But I, it's, it, I just love <laughs> that you'd this. have to know about him and where to find him at Treasure Beach, and just. But if if anyone's thinking going to um, Jamaica, you ha- just you have to go down there. I've been listening to a lot of Bob Marley recently. Something mm. I haven't done for ages, but because my kids are singing. Um, Three Little Birds at school for a performance. Oh. I know, it's, such, it's so sweet. But So we've been listening to a lot of Bob Marley yeah. and I have been craving that sort of beach bar experience, you know, with some music, with the cold beer, yeah, yeah, yeah. with the sand. Well, Sally Hensel, for, who, who designed Jake's, her husband Perry was um, part of the kind of group that helped discover Bob Marley. And they took us for a tour into Kingston, yeah. And they were behind um, The Harder They Come, the film and the music and that whole era. Yeah, really, really interesting. And they chat to you about it if you're interested as well. So, oh, I'd, yeah. I'd love to go to Jamaica. I haven't been yeah. for some reason. I don't know why it hasn't come up. I've got a friend who runs a, a charity that does a lot of work there. And she's always saying, you must come over, you must come over. Well, yes, yeah, I don't do, have enough time. Do you know the really it. interesting thing is, I, I didn't think I'd sit down here today and talk all about Jamaica. But then, yeah, it's, that's, that's embedded in my mind. It's just such a wonderful place where I was so happy and, and as you say, relaxed. Where did that's you think true. you'd talk about Oh, I don't know. I suppose. Because everyone on the way thinks, right, I've got that story, that story, that so story. So true. Yeah, go on. That's so true. About? Well, I think because when people say, where's the best place, which is, as we've already said, that's incredibly hard to answer, isn't it? Because it, 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 there, there are, you know, many sort of categories in your mind of what's the best, best city and best beach. And I suppose the most wow press trip, that is the one that I'll, I would never be able to do again. Does that make sense? So it was the Galapagos, which is obviously a once in a lifetime. But on top of that, it was with Celine Cousteau, so Jacques Cousteau's <sighs> granddaughter. And it was to launch a charity called Shark Count with Contiki. And Contiki are, uh, they arrange tours for kind of, I think it's like 1834, but it's not your booze cruises there. It's really good. And they, and they have a, a very um, strong sort of environmental charitable arm to them as well so they're always supporting causes and this was one that they were helping to launch so they invited some journalists out as well and um we we got to we got to dive in the galapagos with about 40 hammerhead sharks at Kid Rock and we were part of the Sorry, first... you didn't just say with Kid Rock, did you? <laughs> no, not with Kid Rock. <laughs> I was going to say, because that would really top you up. What was he doing there? <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded yeah, like just it for a, a second. Yeah. And, um, we, so we went, to sh- we went to count these sharks and... Um, which was terrifying, yeah, absolutely amazing. You know, I'd only done about 10 sharks in my whole life, 10 dives in my whole life. And um, to be doing that was that 
my God, it was incredible. She it was meant to come on the podcast, Celine Pisto, and I had to. She was here for the World Travel Market, yeah. and I had to cancel because I was in hospital having a blood transfusion. <gasps> totally random for anemia, but I had to turn her down, and I was desperate. I was thinking, can I postpone my blood transfusion? Oh, I really no. want to meet her because she lives somewhere far away. I don't, actually, yeah. she might, it might just be France, but it, she does yeah. and, and the US. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. So she's oh. not always here, but next time no. she comes, she's definitely really keen to be on. Oh, amazing. And and very inspirational woman as well, you know, definitely. the things she's working on. And um, um, as well, again. The whole family, we really. talked about that. Yeah, exactly. So that was, um, yeah, you know, that was unforgettable. I mean, how incredible. And and then the, the tour afterwards was, there was a pro surfer, a female pro surfer from Australia that they'd invited to come with us from Margaret River and we went surfing with her she was doing a, a photo shoot and also surfing and at Tortoga so I like surfing I'm not very good at all but I enjoy it so we went out and then we had to all run in because there was a shark a massive shark kind of just circling near us so that was the, it was incredibly exciting and also absolutely terrifying a bit, a bit rubbish if the, uh, yeah, the PR team lost the journalist for a shark attack <laughs> lost on, their uh, pro surfer because she was also she was took it I was like oh yeah it's fine <laughs> the thing about these press trips as well is that I think people don't know behind the scenes um, when they read a travel article often it sounds like you're there you know sort of on your own and some people are there on their own but one of the great things about traveling for work like that is that often actually you're with a bunch of like-minded journalists some of you who know already and some of some you've just met that day but it ends up like a very posh school trip where you will end up a bit giddy and everyone ends up stays up late drinking and getting to know each other and you know people by the end of the night people are dancing on the bar and you know because these people are trying to uh, show the best of every aspect of their country and their hotel and they're just throwing all the best things at you and it's actually it is it is very good fun in that sense it's great and and i and i i definitely used to go on more group trips and I think when you especially when you start off um, it's not why you do it but it's such a good way of making contacts um, and some of my really really great friends of people that I met at the beginning there was a um, a press trip I went on to um, Positano and it was when I was on a I was on you and your wedding I was a travel editor on you and your wedding I think you commissioned me for a couple of uh, videos online I don't know if I knew in your wedding yeah really yeah. this is this is a long time ago it was yeah, that, that, that was that that's probably the dream job actually because it's all honeymoons which is hilarious but it, this was a group press trip and um, we'd have been invited to sample this seven course um, breakfast in Amalfi and that was it was um, a kind of aphrodisiac menu and included oysters. So I think it was about seven journalists had been flown out. And, um, <laughs> and um, in the afternoon, <laughs> we became sick one by one. <laughs> so we all, we all got food poisoning apart from one journalist who hadn't had the oysters, so clearly. And um, we basically vomited through the night before flying home. And one journalist, Wendy Gomesaw, who was at the mail at the time, couldn't fly home. She was so ill. She couldn't. It was a PR disaster and then Nikki Greer who's um, a Mauritius expert for the Telegraph now but she was on the trip with me and we're still just brilliant friends I think it cemented our friendship because you could literally with hear people vomiting next door in this kind of beautiful hotel did you write anything mention. up about it because no, no one else was going to say have other places that you refused to yeah. write about it's so so rare but no and the, the I think the good thing with us was at the time was that it wasn't uh, in a wedding magazine, it's not a negative thing. People are buying it because they want positives and recommendations and good ideas. 
that's why they're buying it. So, no, we didn't put it in. We just didn't run it because that's not fair to readers. Actually, it's, it is. I've been back since and it's a fantastic hotel. And it's just one of those things. It's one of those things. It's, things, know, it things. it's clearly yeah. a bad batch of voices. However, if you were paying whatever it was at the time, like £150, you, uh, that's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Especially if you're on your honeymoon. So, no, we, did, we just didn't put it in and they fully understood. But the great thing was I remember getting back and we'd kept in touch um, and the letter that came from the hotel was they thought it was the winding Amalfi Roads. Oh, really? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we've been well, on a would. trip in the afternoon. Isn't yeah. that brilliant? Just all get Wasn't violently cast <laughs> yeah. I had one place that I never wrote about um, in the Maldives, mm. and it was because we were just eaten alive by mosquitoes. Right. It was an eco-resort, probably about the villa we had would probably be about 10 grand a night. It was really wow. lovely with your own private yeah. butler. And they, they'd spray every evening. I don't know what it was, but it didn't seem to do anything. And so, you know, there's being, being bitten by mosquitoes, which you get, you know, everywhere. Um, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. And being bitten by what felt like killer, diseased mosquitoes. Although they weren't diseased, you know, we yeah. didn't have anything uh, weird afterwards, but the, they made you feel sick. They yeah. were so sore and painful. Yeah. And I was like, look, I'm really sorry. I can't write about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, travel writing, I think, is very partial. Yeah, you know, because you do, you do say the good things, but I think it's nice to know that you know if, if something does go wrong yeah. you're not going you to gloss know, it over you? no or does it go indefinitely I, I say that if there's something especially in Cosmo no you can absolutely say there's, that it really isn't but hopefully normally I'll have done my job and the PR will have done their job so that by the time it gets to the press trip it's perfect for us and we know it's somewhere that would be good. Does that make sense? Because it is important. That I remember another one where it was for honeymoons, actually, again, in the early days, but maybe I wasn't so on it, but um, it was a group press trip and I'd been sort of sold it, it and it did sound wonderful. And I got there and it was just swarming with families, of swarming with families. It was, on a honeymoon, like, oh it was God, so no unromantic. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it was a holiday time of year. It was like, oh, my God, because you, you, you could choose anywhere in the world. Like, you can't recommend that. That's ridiculous. If I'm saying a Riyadh up the road. Yeah, you, you, wouldn't, you would not want to turn up to your honeymoon and have loads of, loads of kids there. I'm sorry. <laughs> and now, as a parent, have your, have your travels changed? I mean, I'm not just asking you this because you're a woman, because I hate that. Yeah. Because um, I, I do ask it to men as well. Yes. But have, have they changed? Yes, of course, yeah. But then I, I have a mix. I'm very, very lucky that I can do both. So I'm trying to, especially when my eldest son and I hadn't had my second child up until school age then, I tried to take him on most of my trips. So they weren't family trips then. They were trips for Cosmo or trips for, you know, Telegraph. Or, but I, I asked PRs if I could take him, and especially before you have to pay for their flight from two onwards, but before then... They were like, well, yeah, because it's no extra money. And so he's, he's travelled all over. And consequently, I, I hope, I like to think it's had a really positive effect. I'm, I'm quite very pro this. I've, I've written a few things about it now. It's, it's, it's travel for kids is just it's so, so good. And his teachers have picked up on it. But what I would say is, and people might be listening thinking, well, that's all right for her to say, but I'm, I don't just mean abroad even. I just, I'll just try and take him 
to interesting places that I'm going to or thinking about going to or um, you know we've been on holiday for a day up the coast we have in our camper van it's still travel absolutely it's I feel the same in the woods, it's traveling yeah just outside your house you know yeah. is, is still travel it's just exploring isn't it and yeah and I, I feel exactly the same in terms yeah. of showing the kids stuff like my kids uh, my seven-year-old has been told he's not like great at reading and writing compared to some of his peers but wow does he know his stuff you know about knowledge. Going, exactly about yeah. uh, you know museums and all the museums that are free in London that we go to and sometimes bunk off school to go to <laughs> and uh, you know I'm hoping the reading and writing will, will, will uh, you know yeah, step will up come. at some point it come exactly but what yeah. you're giving him is invaluable I, I, I think it's wonderful isn't it and also that mind-blowing thing if the, the world doesn't just revolve around your kind of tiny community that's amazing isn't it it's such learn. a valuable lesson do yeah. you ever feel like uh, I know you probably like I do follow a lot of full-time traveling families on things like Instagram and actually my husband doesn't and I can feel the sort of differences in us when I'm thinking should we just take off and do this or should we go (laughs) and live in our house in Spain for a year and he's like it's not really practical with work I'm like sod work you know we'll make it work somehow or, or just you know rent out the house and travel the, the oh, world oh we've discussed that so many times we've and discussed how does that it, so many times well it's kind of the same thing I, I would do it and we've got this um, our dream is to send the kids to um, green school in Bali and I went to Bali last year and I got a tour of the school and um, I'm just I don't I'm know just, what Green School is. What is it's, it? It's, uh, it's the international school on Bali with a huge focus on the environment. So that, so it's it's which I, th- I hope we talk about a bit about the environment later because it's so it's it's really on the agenda at the moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, increasingly it's difficult to square that circle when you're a traveller as well. Completely, and... but I think there are ways of you know, and we're looking at it, and even what you run in mags, in, it can have a contribution. Kind of just being aware Absolutely. of it and slow travel and. And uh, yeah, but the, so the green school is it's sort of looking at yeah environmental leaders of the future, I guess, alongside English math. They still do all of that. You don't leave with nothing, but the focus is on being green. Even their school bus runs by sort of cooking oil, and it's just. But it's not hippy dippy. It's, it's it's proper school. I, I, I went on a tour to see what the what it was like, and I know someone who sent their child there for a term. <laughs> And the kid was really wanted to stay, obviously, because it was fantastic. Even the architecture is one of also it's made of bamboo, and it was little things they were talking about, like when boys kind of reach, um, you know, a certain age, like puberty. There, they want they. <sighs> They, they give them a project to do, so as well as all your normal lessons, I think they understand that maybe they need another outlet. So there was a really rickety bridge over this river and we asked about it and he said, oh, that was one of the projects the boys were involved in engineering and, you know, woodwork. And it was so impressive. And would you send them there or, or, something, or go with them and spend a time? I'd love to spend a time. I'd love to go out there and, and actually uh, try it out and just see again as you're talking about you could rent your house out and go out there and you know it's it's you, it is fee paying by the way but it's nothing compared to fee paying here I don't fee pay here <laughs> and I, I'm not about to but as for here. there it would yeah it, it's you know you do have to pay a bit but then they're very um, inclusive of the local community so they have a great thing where it, there's quite a pollution problem in Bali now so if local kids help to collect sort of a lot of rubbish in the area and they bring it in it's weighed and then the amount weighed can be exchanged for lessons or like art or English or so no money's exchanging hands 
but they're actually including people locally in this. So it's not just a sort of we're an international school and you're nothing to do with this. They oh, can sounds come amazing. In. It sounds like I your was school very should be doing exchanges with them. You know, like I'm thinking about my school in South East London. Oh, you know, that it'd be like some sort of exchange would be amazing. Be fantastic. Yeah. You know, yeah. when the kids get older, maybe. Yeah. Secondary but have a look. And things, you know, they all have their own little gar- patch of garden. And it's just, it, it's, yeah, it's working with sort of nature and what's there rather than, um, what we're doing, which I'm not entirely sure about at the moment, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure about it. It seems either. like the working world has completely changed, but schools haven't to working towards that. Does that make sense? It does. It absolutely makes sense. And you, I mean, I think that's the thing about travel as well, is that you're exposed to so many different ways of doing things that you, you know, you actually almost think, well, that's possible. That's, you know, that's not impossible for people like us, you know, other people to do, you know, people sell up stuff or go and live somewhere else cheaply, you know, that there's things that you can do if yeah. you have the desire. Obviously, you need the means yes. in some way. There's means, you know, you yeah. need to get plain fare, but you need to live there like you need to live here. There's just ways of, if you if there's a will, you know, there is sometimes yeah. a way. Yeah, definitely. That's how I feel at the moment with, because obviously I'm sure you're aware as well, and it's everywhere, isn't it, Instagram, and so we're talking about the environment all the time, and, you know, my husband is a real environmentalist, so he, he's got some reclaimed forests, which he's, it's he, um, for woodland that he's uh, he looks after and tends, and they plant a lot of trees, and, you know, we are, but then obviously that really doesn't sit well with me flying around the world it doesn't and I'm fully aware and I'm trying to work I, I am trying to work so I'm started carbon offsetting with Forests Without Frontiers who do as they say so like every pound donated is a tree planted so you do that so carbon offsetting is where you for your for how many miles you go on yes. flights you will pay you can, a certain you amount can work that out or you can just make one-off donations so it's like I just did for I just been to Costa Rica so I actually did sit down and do that as a directly afterwards um, and then we went to Italy this year, but we were moving in the summer, but we were there for quite a long time, three, about three and a half weeks, and we were moving round. And we could have flown to some of the places, but we took the train and said it was a lot longer, but it was really, really cheap and really good fun. It's but a great way to travel as well, train, so isn't it? Good. It really is so nice. I mean, you do have to have the time. Yeah, um, but we never thing. hire cars. Yeah. I never hire a car yeah. when I'm abroad. I always rely on trains and buses and even yeah. when we go down to uh, to Malaga where I've got the, the, the terrible poor me has got a house there and uh, <laughs> you know has to go there all the time uh, don't hire a car my friends there yeah. think I'm mad it's like what do you mean you're gonna you're gonna like get the train it will take you like the whole day and I'm thinking that's the fun part and the you know ki- and kids, kids love kids a train love it, yeah they? or we've got like little scooters and they scoot yeah. everywhere and we don't need to hire a car okay if you need to get somewhere in a hurry if you're going to work or back you don't have the luxury yeah. of doing that but if you've got the time the, it's it's such a cliche but the journey can literally be part of the experience no, I, I think lunch, it is you know, you just, we've even run stories lovely. like that and we have, we're, we're running one in women's health next year so that it, that's exactly it the journey is the holiday which it can be you know especially cycling and things that that's the way forward and also looking more at, at the hotels and resorts I mean I think resorts have changed so much, haven't they? Hotels have changed so much. They are aware now. And I don't really care why they're doing it. I've had this argument with someone recently. You know, okay, so they're kind of not washing linen and towels and but they aren't, so that's fine. Whether it's because whether it's financially they're saving money sense, or whether yeah. they're being green, I don't really. It doesn't matter, does it? It's the fact that they are, and it's the fact that they, you know, it's like okay, we now know people are going to write on TripAdvisor about our plastic straws, so we're taking them off. Well, good. It doesn't matter if they're doing it just reactionary. It, do, it doesn't matter, does it? We're all in this. 
We've all got to do things. Do you feel the whole Instagram thing has changed the way travel works? Yeah, D like 100%. To the extent where, you know, these surveys that you must get through saying people are booking here because they've seen it on Instagram. It's, just, it, it's completely changed. People are getting travel tips on there. I, but I love Instagram. I, I'm, not, I'm not a print journalist who's going to be negative about, you know, social media. It's changed things, and blogging has, and I get all of that. And I think it's great. I think there's room for everybody. And Instagram's a very... It's fun, interesting, and I found it very friendly. Yeah, I found it friendly. It's always very positive, isn't it? Well, I yeah. think in the world of travel, it's very positive. In, in the, exactly. I don't know what fashion, beauty, whatever, but in, in the world of travel, I, it's great. But it has fueled over-tourism in many ways, hasn't it, as that's well? And that's another true. problem that, you know, as well as the environmental issue, and of course, over-tourism and environmental issues have a big crossover. Yeah. But apparently, you've got these places that people... Where's that fjord in Norway? I haven't been, but there's a, a, a fjord that everyone stands on this rock and looks like they're alone on this, <laughs> yeah. in this beautiful, you know, there landscape. There are people waiting to Just come people in. people queuing, literally, you know, people yeah. taking tickets. It's like a queue going down. A bit like that queue up Everest. Oh, my God. Oh, what and is that the, about? And the, um, the wings in L.A.? Yes, I have. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's the same. And there you, are people queuing around the corner. Yeah. Oh, I guess the pink wall with the wings. It's hilarious. But the good thing, or not the good thing, but the other side of over-tourism, which we're, we will be running a feature on next year, is the exact opposite. So that's now a trend. It's the it's like the second city. So you know, like Chicago rather than New York, or it's the same thing. So it's finding the place that actually no one is there. Nobody has been there very very remote places or places where you're getting authentic experience you know and that's the that's a, i think that's great definitely and a, a trend i've seen online as well is people to actually show what it's really like so they'll show the nice <laughs> yeah. the amazing you know they'll have people hire dresses like particularly in santorini they like instagram girls will go on photo shoots where they've hired these dresses and you know hire someone to do a photo shoot when you're on your holiday but anyway and then the other people will go well this was the cue and this is how it really looked you and know I, I love that <laughs> Yeah, and they uh, and actually expose. But that. we all know if we. I think if we can, we can try and understand Instagram. It's a, it's one side. I, I I'm not going to say it's fake. It's one side of people or their experiences in it, and it's great to look at these beautiful images. But we, but as long as we, we understand that behind that, often, you know, there are the big cues or the problems or they've you know i'm going to use my biggest travel writer hate right now because <laughs> one of the you know when you're you're in the business yourself and you look for when you think if i see hidden gem it makes me want to punch myself in the head so i'm going to ask you oh, no. recommends me a hidden gem <laughs> so i can punch um, myself in the that's head. that's easy Lubalula, where I, i've just been in costa rica so because it, they've heard great things they about have costa rica. A, yeah it's fantastic i'm definitely going back um, that, I think that's always a good question. Where would you pay to go yourself? Yes. You know, not where you where, 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 where you're being paid to go. Yeah, it's, it, it's. I would pay to go back to. Well, I will pay to go back to Costa Rica to a family a holiday. Flash. Don't know if I can afford that. Pay <laughs> on your own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one of them. I don't know. <laughs> I think the chosen child of the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I think my eldest, because um, four, I think, I think eight, you're really going to appreciate the wildlife. And there are some quite scary things to do there. We, we went on a night safari oh. and we saw a jaguarandu and they're, you know, like a, a, a kind of tiny puma. And they're incredibly rare. And the guide with us hadn't seen one in that area for six years. So we're there standing on this swing bridge in the canopy of the jungle. And we've got our head torches on. We're watching this cat move through the trees. And I mean, 
Honestly, it was, and then I, as we were celebrating, we thought we've got to go to the bar to celebrate with a guide, the Moscow, our guide. So we all got down these kind of Indiana Jones bridges through the canopy. And we, just as we got to the end, I nearly put my hand on a snake. <gasps> True story. And I have the picture of the snake. <laughs> and it was annoying because all the way around, I put my sleeves over my hands because they told us like, don't. And I, because we were chatting and we were sort of, you know, high, on the way to the bar. Yeah, yeah, high on life. And I was just about to put it down. And it, it turned out not to be poisonous. We identified it back in the bar on my camera, but it was my, so My seven-year-old would want to collect you and say venomous. <laughs> venomous, Because it's only yes. poisonous, apparently, if you eat it. And he's right. Yeah. Yes. yeah I yeah, didn't yeah, know yeah, that before. Yeah. I would have said poisonous yeah, as well. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, the kids. Absolutely and, right. And which is why it's such a great place to take to the kids. So what is completely. the hidden gem? Oh, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so that was on the coast, and they, it was actually run by a Brit couple. So they went out there a couple of years ago and found some land they sell they sold up everything here so it's it's different to us you know we were talking about renting out houses and they've sold up everything they kind of drove through central america and they landed in costa rica they had two children and thought this is it they've got great schools the standard of living is actually quite high in costa rica and good schools good international school and so they settled on the coast and they bought this land and they've created a kind of huge outside dining area and they've got four luxury safari tents that are it's it's like 60 pounds a night i think to stay in and you have again an outside shower and you're like a fisherman watching you you wake you wake (laughs) up in the morning and you just sit uh, and (laughs) you can have your cup like proper cup of tea (laughs) because they're british yeah you need to try i take my tea bags sometimes take tea bags if i'm going away for a long time yeah and so and then and then um just watch, I was, this is only a few weeks I was watching hummingbirds just outside my tent and um, lizards and the, their, their garden that they created is just, I mean, it's, it's huge. It's like, a, it's like being in the jungle. Um, it's completely private. And that was just heaven. You, I, I feel like I could stay there for about a week you know, we were only there for two nights, but it, it, we just instantly relaxed. It was so, so chilled. Oh, that and you felt like you could ask them anything, you know. I'd actually I arranged a few things before I went. So um, we went out on a cat, uh, catamaran to see the dolphins and whales, and which we did. We're very lucky. But you felt like they would organise it for you. You know, that sort of thing. You could just sit and ask for recommendations and then they'd say, yeah, that's our favourite restaurant down there. That's our favourite. If you ask for that cocktail in that bar, they'll make it for you. It's exactly the sort of thing you want, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly the sort of thing you want. Really, really good value. And also to just sit and chat to them. So it's, yeah, Libalula. Libalula. We'll look it up. I've been speaking to you for ages, so we're going to run out of time. Just before I ask you my last couple of questions, we've talked a lot about the positive sides of travelling so much for work. Are there any downsides? When you have children, of course, because it means you are missing family time. And, and it would be silly to say not. You know, I, I, I still think I spend more time with my children. I'm very lucky because of my job than a lot of working parents who don't go away for chunks of time 
but they're constantly working. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I am constantly well, yeah. working, but it's flexible, so I can well. work from yeah. home, so I can do the school pickup, or, or more for me is school drop off, you know, there to make tea. And so I don't feel that I'm, I will, you know, I will be there at the nativity. So I'm very lucky. And I don't want to beat myself up too much about it. And it's not very often. As I say, I try to take them away and I try to work around school holidays as well. Every working parent my beats trip. themselves up there. But anyway. you do. And you can't not. You know, I, I, did, a, I did a kind of nine-day trip with Travel Guru TV. I don't know if you've heard of them, but we did a bit of filming. And it was an amazing opportunity to Grenada. And it was also really well paid. So it would have been madness at that time not to take it. But my son's like 12 months old. You know, when I was away for... I'd stopped breastfeeding. I couldn't have done that. But, yeah, God, of course, I cried (laughs) frequently. I looked at lots of pictures. But, you know, the, the, the really lovely thing now is that my eldest son it really knows the payoff so if there are a few times when he's very good in general but if there's a kind of you know even you're not going to be in there to tuck them in that night because maybe it's a press event which is still very important to go to a press dinner or a work thing or a deadline and I'll say but mummy has to do all this and then where are you going like we're all going to Jordan next February at half term do you know? And he's old enough now to know, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Jordan I for the first it. time in February yeah. without the kids for a few days before half term. Oh, before? I was yeah. say, we might be there at the same time. No, no, That'd I'm be going amazing. before half term. And oh, you know what? We got for two wow. adults, we got yeah. EasyJet return flights yes. for 300 quid. Yes. And do you know how much the kids' flights are? Because I'm paying for the kids' flights. There, because I, I have a big issue with this. There is nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, mine was sixteen ninety nine on the way back, but then once you put the taxes, that's, in it. Yeah. so that's less than a train to London. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. I'm sorry, EasyJet. That's to outrageous. Akaba, I'm going. Yes, yeah, it's exactly. A, the I same. mean, that's How like funny. Jordan is like a posh, you know, <laughs> far away destination. It's exotic. It's, like, it's exotic. It is nineteen ninety nine. I can't wait. I'd love to take the kids Crazy. there, but in the meantime, can't afford it. Have to go without them. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is very lucky, but but he knows now. Yeah. He and I, how old is yeah, he? Yeah, he's eight, eight and yeah. my youngest is four. So, um, yeah, that's what I mean. So, yes, yeah, so obviously there are the downsides. And, and that's personally, I know travel journalists who, who do sometimes have a little moan about all the tra- the actual travel and it is tiring stuff, but I'm not going to because I quite enjoy it. Yeah, like you're saying the journey starts from sort of going to the airport, so I actually don't mind that. I'll take. I, I once went to. Um, gosh like Rarotonga and it took about three flights to get there. it was like it was something crazy like 30 hours and by New Zealand and stuff and I actually didn't mind I was pregnant as well <laughs> it was really restful because right I wasn't too far yeah, you gone. just got to sit and it was so restful yeah I think I needed like a bit of a just to just to chill out a bit how many countries have you been to now <sighs> it must be about 70 I imagine 70, I think Simon Calder like is on about 150. Oh, I'm so far <laughs> behind Simon Calder. <laughs> He's wrapping them up on the phone. <laughs> That's amazing. When Simon's out the country, actually, I, to I get the call, <laughs> actually, for TV and radio <laughs> travel experts. So he can carry on travelling as much as he likes because he gives me You're the work. female Simon Calder. Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, I mean, an unofficial understudy <laughs> is what I've been called, or stunt double. Yeah, 150. That's fantastic. It's a lot, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. yeah. Really Although, I, you see, we have in our playroom, we have a huge map of the world and we all have a different color sticker so everyone when you've been on a trip we put them on and i double dot a lot it's really gutting 
So you're like New York, you, you can't you put it on again. again yeah. But you're really, I need to start. And also, it's quite funny on our map because a lot of our stickers are, you know, we're, we're clearly very equator family. There's not too much. <laughs> not too north, not too south. <laughs> I mean, there are some things, but it's quite clear. It's very funny. Warm weather. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've, obviously, we've obviously, you know, gone towards that rather than. We, we, uh, I took my son to the Arctic a couple of years ago, there. Nice that man. was. I'd, yeah, but I got a school fine for that. Did you? Did they fine you? I sent the bastards. The, yes, I, I took. I it, for the first time I wrote a letter about how educational this trip was going to be thought, right, because it was for you. a week. I, <laughs> and it was with meeting Father it's Christmas. Like ten, ten international journalists and their children. So every night, everyone was sitting. Everyone had been invited to take one child, and we every night at dinner. Yeah. They were the, <laughs> the best at child, Christmas. Best child, and so I was sitting there. Different countries and languages, and we did ice fishing and made igloos, and it was incredible. And they find you, and they find me. They, oh. so I've got to ask you. We're being hurried up, so I'll ask you my last question. My last question is always about music, because oh. I think music and travel go very much hand in hand. And the question is, if you had to pick one song oh. that reminds you of a special moment in travel. What is that song? And describe the moment. Where were oh, you? What were you doing? No, I got so. I know many it's so music. hard. Oh my goodness! Have a think. Oh God! Do you know what? This is going to sound a bit pretentious, but it was it was the most incredible trip. Um, actually, not a press trip. We paid for this, and we went to the Fez Music Festival, the Fez World Music Festival. Which can you imagine? Just for a second, imagine how beautiful that is. So, like ancient Riyadh, they they'd um, put gigs on, and and we saw um, uh, Yuso and Dor. Do you remember he sang with Nana Cherry? I which do. Seven seconds. Seven seconds. Yeah. But she, he said, she, he said a lot she of other wasn't stuff as there. Well. He did, she didn't wander on her. But they were. We were in the main square in Fez. And it was at sunset, and he came on and sang that. And I, God, I even feel goosebumps now. It was unbelievable. It, we were just standing in this like multinational crowd, and just it felt it, his voice was so beautiful, and it kind of echoed almost around this this um, Medina. Oh God, it was amazing. I have so many. And then, yeah, I went to see Jack Johnson in Hawaii. Perfect and, place like, to see Jack Johnson. Oh, well, cool. He's a white boy. Exactly. We saw him at this, the Shell stage and just um, him singing his like banana pancake and things, but actually in Hawaii, just acoustic with a guitar. When he, and it was, it was at the height of his fame, so you'd expect it. You, didn't, you wouldn't have thought it'd be paired back, but it was. So we just got to sort of sit and almost felt like hang out with Jack Johnson on the grass in Hawaii. So... <laughs> I think that is up there as well. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. I could talk to you forever, but thank you so you much too. for coming on the Big Trouble Podcast. Maybe have you on once a year oh, to talk I've, about I've, the next year's travel. I loved it so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Amanda, and thank you for listening. Coming up, we have BBC foreign correspondent Humphrey Hawksley, some episodes from my trip to Ethiopia the other week, and a Christmas special.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revelhorwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.